You've heard of BetaShares. You've probably seen the logo on our podcast. You might even be among their 1 million investors. So you can imagine that I'm delighted to say BetaShares is the official ETF partner of the Australian Finance Podcast. With nearly 100 exchange-traded funds, you can go to betashares.com.au and immerse yourself in ETFs and unique insights covering all of the sectors, themes, core and satellite positions you could want. Think cybersecurity through the Hack ETF, robotics and AI with the RBTZ ETF, and uranium with the URNM ETF. The list goes on. To explore the BetaShares ETF range, visit betashares.com.au, read the relevant PDS and TMD on the website, and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. Is there a Spotify wrapped for investing? If you want to invest in shares or ETFs, our friends at Perla are more than one step ahead of the curve. On average, people who use Perla invest $1,750 every month. That's what we want to see, proper dollar cost averaging. With automated investing tools making your life simple, Perla investors have well and truly mastered the art of investing small bits lots of times. So if you're ready to start growing your net worth in 2024, follow the link in your Spotify or Apple podcast player right now to discover how you can get started today. Welcome to the Australian Finance Podcast, a podcast for people who want to learn more about their personal finances and get the most from their money. This series is hosted by Kate Campbell from How To Money and Owen Raskovich from Rask Finance. The Australian Finance Podcast is provided for educational purposes only. The information is general in nature and does not take into account your needs, goals or objectives. What that means is the information does not apply to you specifically. So consider getting the advice of a licensed and trusted professional before acting on the information. Hello, Kate, and welcome to the Australian Finance Podcast. We have a very special guest in today. Yes, we do. We've got Bronwyn from Miss Moneybox. Hi, guys. Hello. Uh, It's wonderful to have you aboard. Our very first expert guest. How does it feel? Well, it feels interesting to be called an expert, but I'll take it. (laughs) (laughs) And this episode's actually inspired off um, one of Bronwyn's recent articles on her website about money lessons she's learned from Game of Thrones, which inspired me. <laughs> mm. We're which, all big fans, right? Yes, absolutely yeah. we are. So there may be a few spoilers here. Uh, yes, yeah, spoilers up to the end of season seven, mm. but the recent mm. season, you're fine. I won't be talking about those. <laughs> Keep okay. that under wraps. Wait, so what, correct me, is season seven the, the, one, the last one? No, season eight. Oh, okay. We've just had season eight. Got to okay. keep keep up. Okay. Well, I was hoping we could get into like the juicy details, but never mind. We'll set that for another <laughs> another episode. Why don't you uh, tell our listeners? Uh, Kate and I know a lot about what you do, but why don't you explain what Miss Moneybox is and where it came from? Sure. So Miss Moneybox is a blog that I started about three years ago, and it's aimed at women, and it's all about simplifying finance just to make it more accessible, um, get rid of all the jargon so that people can read it, maybe even enjoy it and hopefully learn something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know when I uh, started How To Money a few years ago, this Miss Moneybox was one of the few financial sites I could find that actually simplified it. So it's sort of an inspiration. <laughs> wow, that's, that's so awesome. I'm so glad to hear that. Um, you have a website, missmoneybox.com.au. I and do. And people can subscribe if they want to. Get the latest. They sure can straight to their inbox, (laughs) missmoneybox.com.au forward slash subscribe. Cool. We'll um, provide a link in the show notes. 
So why don't we just get stuck into it? What we're talking about today is uh, are money lessons that uh, we've learned from the big screen. So and TV the small series screen. and the small screen. Okay, big and small screens. Money lessons we've learned, and we'll kick things off with Game of Thrones and your article, Bronwyn. Yeah. Okay. So. I'm a big fan of Game of Thrones, so mm-hmm. I, I wrote this uh, story um, as we were about to launch into Season 8, which is now concluded. So uh, the first money lesson that I would like to talk about from Game of Thrones is the famous line, winter is coming. Mm-hmm. So basically I took that as preparation is key. Um couple of things that I think that you should prepare for when it comes to money is uh, have an emergency fund. Good one. A lot of the... Thinking out there is it should be about three months worth of um, expenses, mm-hmm. but that's not always possible for people. So I would say whatever you can have, just something set aside just in case something happens is not a bad thing to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing is insurance through your super. I know that you guys have talked about that in your insurance podcast. Mm, great one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, and there, there is uh, three types of insurance. There's the uh, death cover, total and permanent disability, and um, income protection. Mm-hmm. So, and it's a basically it's a cost effective way of obtaining insur- insurance for if things go wrong. Mm-hmm. And finally, um, the big winter that we're all heading for, <laughs> the winter of retirement. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's where Jon Snow's gone. Um, oops, that was a spoiler. Um, <laughs> but um, that's something I feel like we should always be preparing for, even if you're young. It's one of my biggest passions is trying to get people to be more involved in their super when they're younger, when they have uh, life ahead of them and the ability to take on more risk and mm-hmm. get the big rewards and ride out those stock market waves. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love the reference. Winter is coming. Yeah, <laughs> wonderful. And there'll be plenty of winters when it comes to, at least from my perspective, from like share markets. Oh, yeah. There'll be plenty of them. So, we're, But know, not all winters. Sometimes it's good times. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Let's not, <laughs> let's not scare ourselves off. But uh, <laughs> I, I think it's that, summer at the moment. Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, things are pretty looking pretty green. Everything's pretty rosy at the moment. Uh, it won't yes. always be that way. So That's true. Yeah, great. Okay. Lesson um, number two. Lesson number two. This is the famous quote from Cersei Lannister. Mm-hmm. When you play the Game of Thrones, you win or you die. Ooh. I took that as um, understanding your tolerance for risk. So before you invest, you should really understand what your risk appetite is. So if, if – or maybe you don't even invest because maybe you're too risk averse. Mm-hmm. Um, when you play the stock market, yeah, you can make some big gains, but or you could also – lose it all so i mean you're not going to die it isn't <laughs> literally <laughs> game of thrones sure. stock market goes down five percent automatic death <laughs> yeah. yeah so just be aware of your risk appetite mm-hmm. that's a good one really good yeah, um, i guess you fin- financially can die if you uh, yeah, don't understand your tolerance that's risk. true then you would need your emergency fund mm. Mm. good one um the third one was changing allegiances can pay off so Tyrion Lannister of the House Lannister mm-hmm. famously switched sides and followed the mother of dragons, Daenerys Targaryen. Uh, how mm-hmm. I interpret that is that if you've done something the same for your whole life, doesn't mean you have to continue to do that. So maybe you had a Dolomites account and you've ended up with the Commonwealth Bank account. Doesn't, you know, why are you still with that? If it's not the right thing, maybe it's not giving you a good interest rate. You know, switch, have a look mm-hmm. around, check out a comparison site, 
there's a whole bunch of different products that you can compare online and see if you can get a better deal. Mm. We've got a few comparison sites and show notes in the past. I think we can do that again. Yeah. I think financial services sector doesn't really reward loyalty. Just sticking with one branch, they often won't actually give you a better rate or a better deal. Mm. That's right. And they'll just give it to new customers only. Yeah. And then you ask them, well, why can't I have that? And they'll say, oh, no, it's only new customers. Mm. They don't care that you've been with them for 15, 20 years. It's really unfair. I think especially not that I have a mortgage, but if you have a mortgage, it could be worth talking to your bank and and saying, look, I found this amount quoted to me somewhere else. I'm mm. I'm willing to switch unless you give me a better offer. Even just having the conversation, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So what's the next one? These are really good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another Lannister um, one quote: "A Lannister always pays his debts." Ooh. So I like it. in the world of finance, you guys would know there are good debts and there are bad debts. Um, so bad debt would be, uh, well, actually, let's talk about the good debts. So maybe a student loan where you, you have an interest-free amount, a mortgage, even though it is a lot of debt, it's probably a lower amount of debt. Mm-hmm. But if you've got a credit card debt, that, my friends, is a bad debt. <laughs> so there are certain levels of debt that you would probably want to pay off in the hierarchy of how much interest you're being charged. Mm-hmm. Um I like that. I, yeah. I think yeah. some, what some people do is they think that a good debt is automatically uh, something that goes up in value, a house, for example. Yeah. But it's not necessarily the case. For example, like a, a student loan. Yeah. It, it, it shouldn't go up. Uh, <laughs> no. If it does, it's at inflation or thereabouts, which is pretty slow. But um, there are even like people take out debt on the assumption that, for example, like shares or an investment property are going to go up doesn't necessarily make it a good debt either. That's but, true. Yeah. Uh, and there's a, like you said, there's a wide spectrum. So things that aren't considered debt necessarily. So we've talked about afterpay before. Mm. That's a name that's got brought up once or twice. I'd bucket that as a bad debt. Right. Mm. And then you've got those nasty payday loans oh, that you yeah. see oh, advertised. Sharks. Yeah, they're probably the worst. They are the worst. Yeah. If you have one of those debts, that's the one to get rid of. <laughs> yes, indeed. Okay, last one. Uh, the last one is... Invest with your head. Sorry. <laughs> Which one was it, head or heart? Invest with your head, not with your heart. So uh, famously, um, the red wedding scene that happened in Game of Thrones was the result of mm. Rob Stark falling in love with – I've forgotten her name. Uh, the, the wrong one. The, his heart. He followed his heart yeah. and he was meant to marry one of Walder Frey's daughters uh, and he uh, took revenge by taking Rob's head. Oh. So um, what, I, what I'm saying is that investor behavior is a big factor in determining returns. Mm. So And often negative, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, if you can crunch the numbers or, you know, read some great blogs or, you know, Miss Money Box, How oh, To yeah. Money, <laughs> the Rask website, yeah. uh, or listen to podcasts um, to educate yourself. But don't just don't just follow your heart just because you've fallen in love with a company or a house or something. Doesn't owe you anything, right? That's right. Yeah. So, um, and in the famous words of the maester, Warren Buffett, <laughs> be fearful when others are greedy and yeah. greedy when others are fearful. Yeah, mm. awesome. The grand maester. <laughs> yeah, so this is a – that quote is a great one and it's actually prompted a heap of research and study into this thing called the behavior gap. Right. Which is effectively, you know, what people do. It's effectively buy high, sell low, repeat until broke. And you'll see the chart around. And it's so true. People, you know, when there's euphoria in the air, everyone's, 
got a whiff and they're, they're willing to, to perhaps go outside their risk tolerance mm. and uh, it almost always ends in mm. disaster. Well, those are really good. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, I uh, will. Like, like <laughs> we'll include the link to the article so you can um, go and have a look at it in mm. a bit further detail. Mm. I, I thought it was really creative how you tied them all together, particularly oh. the Grand Maester. I mean, everyone likes to hear about Warren Buffett. It's true. <laughs> yeah, wonderful. <laughs> and it, uh, it prompted Kate and I to come up with a few of our own. Mm. Mm. I think definitely TV shows, you often have these subconscious lessons that you pick up about money whether good lessons or bad lessons mm. i think sometimes from reality tv shows you can pick up some bad ideas about oh, money for sure bad mm-hmm. mindsets and attitudes um and I, I think it's a good way to sort of talk about money because it's a bit less personal mm. um and it's an easier way to bring up different topics with friends and family sometimes mm. and there have been some really good finance shows that have come out probably the last five or ten years that are really friendly, like in terms of like being for the broader population. Because mm. in the past they were like they really had to dress them up. But now it's kind of like it's actually okay and it's acceptable to learn yep. about it because it's kind of exciting and all the rest of it. So we've got a couple to add here. Mm. Um, so I'll go? Yeah, you Yeah, go. sure. I've got uh, four lessons and they come from uh, very reputable sources, the, the Big Short <laughs> and uh, the Wolf of Wall Street, no, no less. So uh, the first one comes from the Big Short and um, – I, I probably, I reckon I tell someone this once a week at least, maybe even twice a week, and it's that uh, there are no points for originality or there are no points for original ideas. And uh, this is obviously from the big short where they were betting on the, the housing crisis in mm. the US and around the time of the GFC. And it's kind of like the two years leading up to the GFC and when it all just unfolded. And um, so I've got a little note here and it says that pretty much everyone in the big short was shorting property because... One person who was Michael Burry, who was played by Christian Bale, found out about like this housing crisis that was just about to unfold and these CDOs and all these exotic derivatives that were written over property <laughs> markets and about to come undone. But then what happened is all these other characters in the show, so we've got Mark Baum, who um, was played by Steve Carell, Jared Vinnett, who was played by Ryan Gosling, and a couple of younger guys as well. Um, they, they all got r- ridiculously rich from this one guy's idea. And if you think about it, they didn't actually do anything, mm. you know, You don't get bonus points for being first. That's right. Yeah, if it's a good idea, you just yeah. go with it. And sometimes they just fall on your lap and sometimes they're terrible, let's be honest. But sometimes the best ideas are the ones that you didn't come up with. And so that's, I think that's a really good thing. Like if we've talked about index funds and things mm. like that. Just because everyone else is doing it doesn't necessarily mean that you need to do something different. Yeah. You can, you can, um, you can you, just buy you need to find an index. It's completely just, different to everyone else. You can just accept that that's, that's okay. Okay. So the second big lesson from the Big Short, as you can imagine, is that housing can go sharply backwards and it can happen very, very fast. So um, we obviously know what happened or most listeners would know what happened around the time of the GFC, uh, particularly down south in the US. A lot of houses just... Like the prices just went from like a mm. million dollars to 200,000 and they were effectively the banks were saying, if you can take on the loan, we'll give you the keys. And that was that was it. That was pretty much like the lending standards in, in the, the trough of the GFC. Um, so and the point I wanted to make here is that this went property markets went backwards and suffered this great recession when everyone was most confident and coming back to the behavior gap mm. and the mm. point about being fearful when others are greedy. Yep. It's shown through again. Um, okay, so two from the Wolf of Wall Street. The first one is the finance industry has the best work breakups. 
anyone that's seen the show will know that there's some crazy parties that we have. No? no? I haven't seen that movie. God, you haven't? I saw it a while ago. Okay, well, okay. Well, they have these massive parties and obviously that's representative of the entire finance industry. Mm. Whenever I go to someone, I say, yeah, I do investing. They're always like, oh, like the Wolf of Wall Street. That's the joke (laughs) anyway. And uh, no, we don't actually. I think you said to me uh, you had like a work breakup was like chicken and something else. Chicken Chicken and champagne. (laughs) That was our last day of work. Okay, chicken and champagne. So it wasn't like... No, we just uh, went to Woolies, got the... uh, few bags of hot chickens (laughs) got a few bottles of cheap champagne and there's a few side salads i think and and maybe some daiquiris but i only found out from you that that's kind of like a finance tradition is it apparently that's what someone else told me so right yeah i was trying to find the origin of that but then i think i Mm, right (laughs) well that my lesson was that um maybe finance isn't uh everything that is made out to be on the tv Mm. so uh, it's not all parties. We're not all. Not everyone's trying to rip you off and all the rest of it. Yeah, it's not um, not lab coats and trading screens. Yeah, <laughs> like the photos that you see in the news. The AFR just use the same trading photos for every article. I feel like. <laughs> yeah, so that was the that was the second point I was going to make. He's like, so we're not, it's not all crazy like that, and that's true. But at the same time, there are many sharks, and there's people that try and take from you that's pretty much their business they call mm. themselves advisors or they're trying to do a, uh, give you a hand up but at the end of the day they're just looking out for number one and mm. so it's really important to know where people's incentives lie and we've talked about money smart the, the website yeah. from, by the government um and then there's the asic website where you can search for advisors yeah most most um financial professions you can actually search them up in the various registers to see if they are qualified and registered with the appropriate government body mm. so mm. Just because they show you a name badge doesn't mean they're necessarily <laughs> no. qualified to give you personal advice. Mm. No, there's a. So I'm not sure. Have you guys listened to Who the Hell is Hamish podcast? Oh, it's on my list. Okay. Nope. Nope. Okay. So this guy, Hamish, obviously, I'm going to use the word allegedly, Ponzi, Ponzi scheme. So um, I think that was the general thing okay. that I was picking up on. And I th- one of the things that he did to make it seem legitimate was he took the letterheads of like the big name. Uh, fund managers that we know and put fake statements on there so and then sent it out to these clients so they made it look like it was legitimate like everything about it was legitimate and he was really Mm. smart and all the rest of it so you just don't know Mm. and at the end of the day um you know check that asic website because it could save you hundreds or millions Mm. of dollars hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars and i think i don't know if i made this an unofficial podcast rule but don't ever accept anything over the phone like don't ever say yes to anything. Mm. Don't even like pick up the phone call. Rattle out your tax phone number, yeah, your bank account yeah, details. Never. And then there's another one like it's a simple one and this is particularly for older people is don't click on links in emails. Mm. Go direct to the source. My, my partner and I, we got an email from NAB. At least we thought it was from NAB. And it was almost like a carbon copy of the NAB web banker login page. Mm. And that was just last week. Wow. You know, really sophisticated. You know, they're just obviously phishing but – um, just don't click on them. Yeah. Yep. There are pretty sophisticated scams now, a lot more than the Nigerian prints that we had five, <laughs> ten years ago <laughs> yeah. when it's obviously fake. But yeah. when, when it's something like the ATO, when you get those mm. voicemails that was going around a lot last year. Yeah, I've got one of them. And they sound quite threatening. Mm. And if you, in your mind, you go, oh, I haven't paid my tax yet or I might be owing tax. And then you get that voicemail. Mm. So you think, oh, are the two linked together? Mm. Um, definitely. I think they getting quite clever now yeah definitely that you know the the rules and the regs and the technology used to 
try and regulate it is, is more sophisticated, but by the same token, the, mm. the scams themselves are getting more sophisticated. Cool. All right, well, those are my little ones. If you haven't seen those two movies, Wolf of Wall Street might, might be R-rated. <laughs> I, I would suspect I, it might be I think R-rated. It's quite. Yeah, it's pretty out there. And The Big Short, that's definitely not R-rated. Yeah. I think The Big Short's a movie you have to go back and watch. Yes, yes. Because I've watched it twice and you still don't understand everything yeah. going on. There's a lot of things you have to look up afterwards yep. as well. I found that. I, and yeah, that's us as finest people, myself yeah. included. I found the second time I watched it, it was much better than the first time. Mm. Everything mm. just kind of fell into place. Yeah. yeah. Now, a show I've been enjoying at the moment on Stan is called The Bold Type, and it's about a few um, young women who are working at a magazine in New York, I think, um, which is quite fun. I, mm. I don't think it's probably representative of reality, but you think watching the show, oh, that would be nice. Anyway, um, one important lesson I think I got from that was there's a episode where one of the main characters is negotiating this, her salary for her dream job, and I thought they did it really well because most shows don't actually ever mention negotiating your salary. Mm. No, I've ne- never yeah. seen that. So they actually... Um, she was going transitioning to a different job, which is her dream job. But they said, you're going to have to take a pay cut because um, they don't have the budget. Um, and so she she came back with a proposal of why she should have, I think she just wanted a bit more than what she currently was uh, getting. And even after all the effort she went to with her proposal and everything, she, they still said no budget. But then she came back with um, some other points, so getting some extra leave for training, some extra budget mm. for travel and things that came out of different areas. So she, Sutton was the, the character and she was actually quite smart about it um, and said, well, if I can't get a raise, then can I negotiate some non-monetary bonuses, mm. um, inclusions mm. in that contract? Um, so she still got some benefits even though that wasn't financial and she did specify that in six months, she wants a performance review and a salary review um, so they can go over what she's done. So I think that was really interesting to see in a, a show, especially for young females, of negotiating your salary True. and your package and your pay rise and review. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was that was great that that was included in there because often your employer will have room to move. Maybe if it's not in salary, they'll have room to move in other areas of their budget. Um, and even sometimes they'll tell you there's no pay rises or there's a pay freeze, but then you'll hear that some other person in the company got a pay rise. Um, and it often comes to how hard you sell yourself. And I think it's also important going into a, um, a salary negotiation or annual review with sort of documentation because your employer's busy. Um, they won't remember what all those great things you've done during the year. So actually going in appropriately resourced. So saying, here's all the sales I made or here's the great compliments I've had from uh, clients or this is whatever the stats are for your particular job, but actually going in prepared so you can actually give your employer the whole picture and then they can remember everything and sort of I think it's almost like mm. a pay ri- a pay reviews, almost like a sales pitch. So you're trying to show what you've done and why you deserve an extra raise and sort of asking for it. I think that's so true. I, I wrote a blog post about this a long time ago and women tend to not go and negotiate for a pay rise. Um, but if you do, you should come prepared. Mm. And if you don't get the rise, like you said, be willing to say, okay, well, in six months I want a, another review. Um, but, yeah, women tend to not do it. They expect that their work will get recognised without them having to point it out. Mm. Mm. 
So And like it might not be your employee intentionally, but they they probably aren't watching you every day and seeing all those great things you're doing. So it's something you have to point out. And it's definitely scary because I went into an annual review last year and I tried to <laughs> document what I'd been doing. But um, um, it's definitely something you're like, oh, they are paying me what they're paying me. They're not going to offer you an extra 10K usually. Mm. So you actually have to ask for things. Yeah, for sure. Mm. And just ask, right? Yeah. Yeah, it takes courage, but just ask. Something. Yeah. You, and you'd, you'd have a pretty good feel for your employer or your boss as well. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, some some workplaces might be open and you can just ask. And just there's no harm, no mm. foul, right? It's uh, definitely worth asking. Yeah, I see I've been through this recently. Um, I'm on the other side of the table yeah. in terms of hiring people. And for me, it's, it's kind of like just prove to me that you can do the job and you can add value. And as long as you can do that, then of course I'm, I'm willing to have the conversation mm. because at the end of the day, someone who comes and joins your team, you, you're making an investment in them because they're going to return something to your business. Mm. It's just like any other thing that we do in our life. So if we, we do something for a reason to get something back or whatever, just prove to them that you're worth more than what you're getting and the extra things that you've done are adding value to the business. Yeah. Just have that bigger picture, a broader awareness of what's going on. And I think you stand a pretty good chance at least, you know, putting mm. that, planting that seed in their mind at least. Yeah. And, and if you don't get it, my other advice would be to ask them what you, you can do better. Mm. Just get that feedback. And it's hard. Some people don't take feedback very well. Yeah. But try and take it on the chin and then think about, how you can improve yeah Yeah. like saying to them if they're not going to give you anything that um review saying well can we schedule something in for six months time Mm, and if i demonstrate xyz or if you have key what are they kpis kpis key performance indicators yeah i've got some but i don't (laughs) um if you've actually got them say well if i can reach these in six months can we discuss raising my salary by five thousand or ten thousand or whatever Mm -hmm. it is for your particular field yeah good one Okay, so finance definitely, you know, exactly like it's represented on TV, fact or fiction? Oh, <laughs> keeping up with the Kardashians. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone lives like a Kardashian, don't they? Yeah, and we're all, um, we're all just trading penny stocks and we're all trying to make, we all make millions of dollars because we work in finance. Is that right? I can tell you that's not right. Yeah. <laughs> Take no, it from it's me. absolutely <laughs> not right. Otherwise, all three of us would be retired on a beach by now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, here's a good one. Kate, you put in the, the, the show notes um, some good shows that might be good to watch for finance. Do you, can you guys think of any that might be worth watching that are finance related? I think I think there's some few um, interesting documentaries now on Netflix that are actually, I think one, Dirty Money. Yeah, Dirty Money is a really That good actually one. sort of more documentary side of things, but they actually look into various things that have happened, um, frauds and things in the past, um, Mm. scams and things. And so that might give you an idea so you can look out for these things yourself and stay away from the dodgy companies. Um, So that's there's definitely some interesting ones now on Mm. Netflix and what people will do for money and Mm. how it changes people's behaviour. I mean, even the the Fire Festival documentary. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. F-Y-R-E. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I, it's very interesting. There's quite a few documentaries on Netflix, I think, show how money changes people's behavior and mm-hmm. what people are willing to do for money. So obviously there's a few classics in the investing side of things, which is like Wall Street and there's Wolf of Wall Street, Big Short. And then one of the sponsors of the show, 
well, at least were for a while. Billions is one that's on Stan, mm. which is about it. Uh, it's a bit fictitious, I guess, but it's about a um, a hedge fund manager, so someone that um, is kind of like on the line between right and wrong, and with a lot of money at their disposal. It's a good <laughs> one. Um, anything else? Any other shows? No. Cool. No. <laughs> okay. Well, that brings us to the end of the first expert guest episode. episode. <laughs> That's me. I'm the expert. <laughs> no, great. Thanks, Bronwyn, for joining us. And um, Yeah, it was awesome to yeah. get you on for our very first guest episode. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. I've had a great time. Wonderful. <laughs> uh, where can our listeners find out more about you again? Uh, just go to missmoneybox.com.au. Mm-hmm. And you're on, you're on Twitter, right? I am on Twitter, Miss Moneybox. Okay, cool. That's easy to remember. We'll put it in the, <laughs> we'll put it in the show notes in any case. Thank you. And Kate? Yes, uh, on Twitter and Instagram at howtomoneyaus and www.howtomoney.online. Yep, cool. And you can find me on Twitter at Owen Rask and the Rask Finance website. Uh, and you can ask questions. So we've still got some great questions coming in. For our next Q&A episode, yep. later this, later next month. Next yes, month. next month. We try, we're going to try and do them every like, fourth episode or thereabouts. Yep. yep, cool. Yeah, so please keep shooting them in. Uh, we'll answer as many as we can. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, until next time, ladies, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Owen. Thank you. Thanks. Are you thinking about starting your wealth-creating journey but not sure where to put your hard-earned dollars? InvestSmart can help. InvestSmart offers a free quiz that makes it easy to find the right InvestSmart ETF portfolio to help you reach your goals. Just visit investsmart.com.au and hit get started. Answer a few simple questions about your goals and how much you want to invest and you'll get a tailored statement of advice with a portfolio recommendation. You can visit investsmart.com.au for a no obligations free statement of advice. This ad is brought to you by InvestSmart Advice, AFSL 334107. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest... Now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service, designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says Invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.